Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed Is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Beth. Hi, Jenna. I want to give an update on the sacrament class that I went to. Oh, great. I went to the sacrament class, mm-hmm. and it was only 10 minutes, maybe mm-hmm. maybe 12. Jenna. Maybe 12. No. It was beautiful. What? Rocked my world. For 10 minutes? Made me want to go to confession so badly. What did they say? Just can't wait to go to confession. Are you serious? It was like so sweet. She talked about them being the age of reason, something about like, are they abstract? She talked about how if she asks a kid, you're, my, you're getting so big. How long did it take you to get that big? Two weeks. Then they like are in the abstract. They don't understand time and space. That's mm-hmm. what she kept saying, time and space. But if a kid says eight years, seven years, yeah, then they're in time and space. So they understand like reason more wow. or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, should have taken notes. I literally was sitting there like, wow, I wish I had a note taking device. The other thing she said that I loved was to ask someone if they are sorry. Mm. Whereas I typically say like, go tell your sister you're sorry. Mm -hmm. Then they go and do it, you know. Mm. But what did you do? They say what they did. Then are you sorry? I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah, that's. Do you want forgiveness? Mm Mm-hmm. Then she said, the shift is, you know, right from wrong, right? When you're, Gabby knows right from wrong. She's four years old. Yeah. But do you know that when you sin, it's hurting your relationship with the Lord? Hmm. And that's the difference. Yeah. Is when you, when you do this wrong thing, you're hurting your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. I loved it. I'm just wondering if people know that when they sin, they hurt their relationship with God. I didn't even know. God. I didn't know till today. You didn't know that when you sin, it hurts I your did. relationship with God. But it was just, I don't think I did actually in mm. like a real sense. Yeah. I think I was just like, well, I'm wrong and I'm a sinner and the Lord has grace. Mm. Not that it's doing anything mm-hmm. to me. Because mm. I do think it is so much like the Lord still loves you and he wants to be with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, no, but I understand what you're saying. It's just the opposite of my experience with sin. It's so crazy. It's, it's crazy. This is why I could sin for so long, for years and years and years in habitual sin. Yeah. And be like, not caring. Mm. Apathetic. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Apathetic to my sin. Yeah. Interesting. I don't even know what it's like to like live a whole life like that. A whole life where I'm like whole. Wow. I just think I have a lot of work to do with confession. Well, it's happening. Apparently. You're the doing Lord the, work? the Lord is revealing himself to me through Atrium at St. Timothy Catholic Church in Mesa, Arizona. He's like, Jenna, I was listening to that podcast <laughs> and I've already <laughs> signed you up for a sacrament prep class. How crazy is that? He wants you to be healed. He does. He wants you to have a healing experience of the sacrament. Well, and what's been so beautiful is that he does that so often through my family. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even, you know, Yeah, he's doing it. He's been doing it for 
13 years, 12 years. Yeah, that's cool. Healing these things in me that I didn't even know I needed healing for. Of course. A deepening in me that, again, I could just live on the surface, guys. Mm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let's go a little deeper. Yeah. Okay, Lord. How cool. I mean, vocation is our primary path to heaven. Yeah. It's a vehicle to holiness. So it makes sense that God would use the ordinary means of your everyday life with your family to sanctify you, to make you holy. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that personality trait is that I just like don't care about my sin as much as you care about it. I don't know. For example, this gal at the sacrament prep class Mm -hmm. said, so the kids have to like write down if they're ready, if they believe they're ready to receive the sacrament of penance. And so they put it in this little treasure box. Mm -hmm. And then she said, then we tell them, you're going to tell God, everything you did against him, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Whatever, sinning. She's like, some of the kids will go take their green card back. Oh. Because oh. <laughs> they're like, oh, I don't want to tell him that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So that made me think of you because we've talked before about how we're just really different about confession. Yeah. In that I feel and felt so much shame for years from my habitual sin of pornography and masturbation. And because of the like deep shame I felt, I could not even say it out loud to another person. Mm. So I just held it inside for years, forever. The whole time I was going through it. Yeah, And it's like unfathomable to me that that would come easily to someone. Mm. To tell someone about this sin that I felt so much shame about. But you've had like this same experience, but opposite yeah. reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I struggled with the same sin, also from childhood, and lived with this immense pain and shame. It distorted so many things for me. My like sense of beauty, what I understood about sexuality, about my own body, about my desires... It's crazy. It touched everything. Yeah. It was always on the surface. Not only the temptation, mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. over time and like as I gave another yes, another every time I entered into that sin, I like strengthened that bond with it and I was more enslaved to it. Yeah, I experienced like a compulsion to it. Like I was drawn to it, you yeah. know? And I don't even know the first time I confessed it, honestly. Mm. I must have seen it on a, an examination of conscience or maybe it's because I just was suffocating under the weight of it. But I, it never occurred to me to not confess it because I was in so much pain. I just wanted to get it out, you know? I felt like I was living this whole secret life. It felt so dishonest, which actually, if we're going to like psychologically evaluate Please. ourselves, this is very like true to my character, like integrity is, it's a high value. I really prize integrity in people that I spend time with and in myself. And so there was that real disconnect for me, that integrity of who I was and then what I did were two different things. And Whereas my whole life, I was okay with lying. I've only just become not a liar like the past five years. I wonder if that's why. Maybe. Yeah. I was just, I've just always been okay with secrets or... Mm. Interesting. 
Yeah, I'm like, let me tell you everything. Yeah. Let me just get this all out there. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, like, how polarizing shame is, you know? For you, it, like, kept you in the dark and, like, pushed you further and further in. And for me, I was, like, clawing my way to the light, yes. you know? And that's what confession was for me. So I fell in love with confession because I desperately needed it. Not because it was beautiful, but because mm. I was, like, bleeding out. You know, confession was triage to me for over a decade, you know? Wow. A couple things. I think the beauty of you being invited into the sacrament is huge. Mm. Like, where did that happen? Just on retreats or? Yeah, I started going to high school youth group to get the sacrament of confirmation. And my mom made me go to this parish with this like really huge successful youth ministry program thanks be to god yeah and it was just kind of a part of the curriculum for sacrament prep and probably retreats i don't know the first time i confessed it i never had an aversion to confession i just i didn't grow up going like it wasn't a part of the culture of our family really yeah so it was like what i can go great it's i don't know (laughs) Looking back, there's like a lot of God's grace involved in this. Yeah. I don't know, but it was in high school, I think, was probably the first time I started confessing it. Wow. Only because it was the first time I started going regularly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I just think the regular frequenting of the sacrament is huge. Like, So I'm just, you know, thinking about myself here. The beauty of inviting my kids to go with us and Mm -hmm. them to see me and Mike go and and offer them the examination of conscience Mm -hmm. for them to see these things that maybe you don't talk about yet. Anyway, so I just think that's beautiful that you were even around the sacrament of confession because that obviously Mm. sacramental grace is real and it obviously like did something to you. Yeah, it saved my life. Yeah. You know, if you're you're familiar with my story or Jenna's, we shared about it um, on a, a earlier podcast episode. I think it's shame, porn, and spoonfuls of grace. So we share more of our testimony there, but I struggled again from childhood um, when I was first introduced to pornography. And I don't think, I I innately felt how wrong it was, Mm. but I also knew I would be in trouble. Like I I Mm. knew it was so wrong that I was bad, you know? It's not just what I did was bad, but now I was bad. Mm. I felt that. And I can definitely see like how the enemy used that and really sowed some like fundamental lies in my like young, tender heart. So I had struggled for years and years before frequenting confession. And then again, I had this conversion of heart, but now this this sin, this compulsion was like so deep. Mm. Um, it continued even like as I like had a prayer life and loved Jesus and was called into ministry, um, but was always just striving, you know? So confession was a huge part of of me trying to get free. Mm. And ultimately, it was this priest who prayed over me. I wasn't asking for that miracle. I really resigned myself to just struggling with this for the rest of my life. But when I was set free, I I understood very deeply 
that that wasn't a one-time thing, but that the Lord had been preparing mm. for the miracle, like he'd been uprooting all of the lies and the attachments through confession through the years to make way for that ultimate miracle of being delivered. Yeah. It reminds me of the imagery I think that um, Claire Dwyer has shared with me in the past. She had shared as we were talking about the fly retreat Mm. content last year. I'm going to (laughs) paraphrase. She said it beautifully and I think a saint said it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's John of the Cross. She shared about birds being bound by like strings and that even if you cut off all of the strings of, oh, here we go. For whether it be a strong wire rope or a slender and delicate thread that holds the bird, it matters not if it really holds it fast. For until the cord be broken, the bird cannot fly. Which I love because I just had this like beautiful visual as you were sharing that, that when we go to confession, when we let sacramental grace into our life, the Lord will cut away these strings that are attaching us and keeping us bound. Mm-hmm. But ultimately you still had a string that maybe was invisible or was a delicate thread that holds the bird that ultimately is what broke you free, you know? Well, as you were describing it, I could almost see it's like it was this thick rope yeah. that I could never undo on my own. But every time I go to confession, oh yeah, you know, imagine like a, like a saw, like a pirate movie where somebody's like tied up and they're like cutting through the rope and it's like it's fraying bit by bit, but it's still yes connected. But every confession is like cutting more fibers mm-hmm. away until it is just that that slender, that delicate thread right at the center that could snap. And that's ultimately what happened. For 20 years, God was sawing away at that rope that was keeping me bound, that was holding me back. And finally, there was just that one thread left, and he snipped it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I remember the very first time I realized the mercy of God. Hmm. I was on a retreat. It's my conversion story. Um, I was on a, a retreat at 16, and... We were just being invited to examine our conscience, basically. And the priest was inviting us, um, just naming different sins. And we kind of would stand up if it was a sin we identified with. Wow. Yeah. So I think he actually talked about porn or masturbation. I think I stood up. Wow. Which was like... Huge. Huge. So brave, Jenna. Seriously. Yeah. I don't know that I would have done that as a teenager. Yeah. I think he said other sins maybe in that timeline. So maybe it was more like smoking. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. (laughs) It could be anything, guys. I could be standing for any number of reasons. Totally. totally. One never knows. (laughs) Anyway, but I remember feeling mercy for the first time. Mm. This experience of having these like flashbacks of every sin I had committed every boy that I had given my heart to, every boy that I had kissed, every like sexual encounter that was not appropriate and the Lord being there Mm. and the Lord uh, forgiving me, but mostly just that he was there. Yeah. That was everything to me. That has been for so long. Just this idea that God never leaves us. You know, he's always with us no matter what. I think what's so beautiful about that experience, hearing that from you. Yeah is that his presence in those moments was compassionate and peaceful and loving. 
Whereas I think for many people, they have sort of a vague sense of God being ever-present or all-knowing or all-seeing. Yes. And so when they think, like, God was there when I did that, they imagine him angry or disapproving Mm. or cold. But the actual encounter with Jesus, I can almost just feel that for you, Mm. is, is just this overflow of, like, his merciful love in those moments. Yeah, totally. And I was just overwhelmed with tears, and I remember thinking, every single tear is for every single sin. Mm. And I'm just like letting this go. And the Lord has seen all of it and he's still here. And yet still struggle with confession. Mm. I don't know. Not anymore in Jesus name. (laughs) Yes, please. So yeah, I didn't, I struggled with, with porn and masturbation from a very young age into our marriage, years into our marriage. And it was just a hidden thing that no one knew about until you got healed I got some of that grace. <laughs> and since then, I've been more open with Mike. But I think any sexual sin, any innocence lost, it's a hard thing to bring to the light. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to do it, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the thing about sexual sin is that it is so bodily. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's an experience that doesn't agree with our soul. Mm. So there's a disunity there in that experience, right? Something true, good, and beautiful has been used to harm us or we've used something true, good, and beautiful and, and, and twisted it and harmed another person. But ultimately, we carry that in our bodies. And so those memories, I think, those experiences really inform us psychologically, like, I think we carry them deeper. Well, it's like what I was trying to say about the physicality of what COVID did. Mm-hmm. Like my physical self was changed. And so it changed my interior self. Mm. And I think the same is true in reverse. Yes. These physical sins that we continue to commit or fall into, they change our interior self they change our souls Mm -hmm. it reminds me of what saint paul says it's in first corinthians 6 every sin that a person commits is outside the body but the fornicator sins against the body itself or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you which you have from god and that you are not your own for you were bought with a price therefore glorify god in your body so that's the original intent of our bodies is to be a dwelling place of mm-hmm. God, right? That he would come and make his home in us. And when we sin against that body, we're, we're sinning against God and we're harming ourselves. I, I just feel like this is so obvious. Mm. You can still recall these images that you saw in pornography. There's a reason that, that we carry those things differently. Totally. I was just trying to think, like, if I had heard that as a young person, would I have internalized that? Like, when does it actually click? I think on some level, we all know that, especially if you grew up in, like, youth group, right? Sure. You heard that. Right. But the lived experience of it, the embodiment of it, carrying it with us over time, 
I think we start to understand the gravity of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying sexual sin is more severe, more wrong, right? That's not what I'm trying to say here, but we carry it differently, yeah. I think. So our culpability changes, right? When we've been enslaved for so long, we've given our yes to sin. Satan comes and he really puts down roots. I remember when I was struggling with this. And I, first of all, never went to confession Mm. ever. Yeah. Even after I was married, I had like so much shame that I didn't want to go, which gets into other dangerous territories of worthily receiving the Eucharist, Mm. you know? But I just didn't ever think it would go away. Yeah. And I think you experienced that thing, same thing too, right? Just yes. a lack of hope that the Lord could ever take this away, that I would ever be delivered from this thing I felt very bound to, mm-hmm. this like compulsion I had that always felt awful after, but I still wanted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the same for me. I don't, I never heard of anyone who had overcome this. Um, this was, you know, back in the early 2000s when... Pre-porn kills love. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It was when um, porn was only a problem for boys, you yeah, know? totally. So I just didn't talk to anyone about it. And then even, you know, as I matured in my faith and persevered in prayer and got into ministry... Despite all my efforts, you know, I still had this attraction to it. It was crazy, the interior experience of like I could be going along and doing my life and then it was like a light switch went on and I couldn't think about anything else, you know? I just thought I was going to have to battle that my whole life. There was a real sense of like it's up to me to get out of this. Like I'm doing everything I can, but I don't know that I believed that God would do it, mm. that he would heal me. You know, he he would heal people who were suffering because they were sick, mm-hmm. but not because they chose sin. Mm. I, I know that's, it's obviously not true, but I think that's how I kind of reasoned it or understood it. Um, and so I didn't have any hope. I just thought this is a cross, you know, and I'll continue to go to confession for the rest of my life. And Maybe there will be longer stretches of sobriety, but I never believed I could be totally free. So it's interesting to hear. I've heard it before, but I know there was a transference of grace when I started talking about it, not just for you, but like when I talk to women after events who come to me just broken with the shame of it, I'm like, oh, he's going to heal you. Yeah. I know it's real. I know it happens, but I don't know that people know that he does that yeah he's the deliverer yes in scripture but will he deliver me and the answer is yes he's still delivering i was just thinking about that with even just thinking about the evil one and the claws that he gets in us Mm -hmm. in regards to any and all sin especially sexual sin because i just think we need to acknowledge that he wants nothing more than for us to be turned away from the Lord. Mm. He's rampant and he wants us to be in darkness, in shame, and in sin, Mm -hmm. in bondage to sin. Everything works together to keep us from the Lord. Totally. Yeah. And ultimately, the Lord is the victor Mm. over Satan. 
And so I just think that's important for us to remember and to keep that in perspective that we are more than conquerors in Christ Mm. and that he can do it. Yeah. Here again is that same thing that it takes hope. Like we have to have hope. Yes. I was just reading this article about um, St. John of the Cross and how he encourages people to pray with harmful memories, Mm. like what to do um, for the purification and healing of bad memories. Wow. Isn't that incredible? I was like, St. John of the Cross, you cared about that? Do you know what I mean? What do we do? St. John of the Cross's approach to the healing of memory involves the decision to let go of and forget the painful memory. Clearly by now you've replayed that harmful memory a thousand times in your head, assuming the memory has not been repressed in a harmful manner, but rather that there has been a time to bring the memory to the fore through productive therapy and dialogue. There comes a time when we should allow the theological virtue of hope to gradually heal and replace or greatly diminish the memory. Consider a broken bone. There's a time for casting and physical therapy, but hopefully the bone will heal and the memory of the painful fracture will diminish. St. John of the Cross suggests that the balm of grace-filled hope will accomplish this healing for your traumatic memory. Isn't that interesting? I think this is especially true with sexual sin. Okay. Because it's so embodied, the memories of it are Mm. visceral. Yes. Right? They're very vivid. But he does give us this formula for praying with them. We're replaying them, maybe not all the time, but there was probably a time you were playing them all the time and plagued by them or enjoying them. So he suggests these like practical methods, which for the healing of memory, and they all revolve around Eucharistic adoration. Beautiful. So you see that you're being plagued by a bad memory, which is causing you emotional turmoil and depreciative living. So basically you just acknowledge like I have this memory. Mm. It's harmful. Yes. You know, this is not just fantasy. Like this is actually causing me harm in my marriage, in my purity, in my relationship with the Lord. Two, you're going to let go of this memory and its hold on you by placing yourself directly in the infallible presence of Jesus Christ in Eucharistic adoration for one hour. It's very descriptive. Totally, right? I was like, oh, okay, one hour. Yeah. It may be beneficial at the beginning of adoration to let your emotions run free for a few minutes through conversation with Jesus. Okay. For the remainder of adoration, you're going to place yourself in the presence of Jesus and simply let him heal you. Thus, you will intentionally vacate your mind of the harmful memory and simply look lovingly in complete hope at Jesus. You're simply going to fix your mind and attention on Jesus, letting him be present to you, sort of as if you were on the beach, forgetting yourself and everything else in the brilliant rays of the sun. Yes, please. You're simply going to let the healing rays of Jesus's love fall gently upon you. At the end of adoration, it would be appropriate to make a prayer of thanksgiving to Jesus for the graces received. Then gradually, over time, as Eucharistic adoration becomes a part of your life, Jesus will heal the harmful memory. I just want to emphasize that. That is like heavy on my heart for anyone who is maybe still in this cycle of habitual sin, sexual sin, that it does take time. Mm. And not to be discouraged if after you go to confession, even the same day you fall into sin, Mm. right? Or or even the next weekend. Um, 
just that it takes time and to keep coming before the Lord in Eucharistic adoration. But I think there's some real wisdom in bringing those memories, which do have such a hold over us and a sway over our emotions, even our sexual desire, right? To bring those to the Lord to be purified and to be healed. So St. John of the Cross really emphasizes hope. This article ultimately says that what purifies the bad memories and heals them, pushes them out essentially, is prayer. Mm. That we create new memories in prayer. Mm. And the more that we spend time with the Lord and cultivate these images and these memories of prayer, we're no longer drawn to or um, entertaining those harmful memories. That's so beautiful. It reminds me of what you shared. You talked about being hyper-focused on the negative or the dark. And I think that that can happen so often with with all sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially the sexual sin, it can become an obsession. I just love that you're sharing that that this article is is sharing that we can just go be in the light, be with the Lord, and create these new memories mm-hmm. that will ultimately light up the darkness in our hearts. Yeah, there's a real integration that I think happens. It's not like we turn a corner one day, we're healed, and we never struggle again. You know that. In the beginning, right after I received my miracle and I was delivered from pornography and masturbation, I thought, I I used to say, like, I've been healed and delivered. And it was because of an Ask Christopher West podcast (laughs) where he said, like, I don't don't believe healing ever ends, that I reconsidered that. And he encouraged us to go and, like, sit before the Blessed Sacrament, um, before the tabernacle, and shared his own experience of some of those harmful memories that had plagued him and and taking each one and placing it in the tabernacle, like talking to the Lord about it and giving it to the Lord and allowing him to purify and heal them. And even as I listened to that podcast, and we'll link that, as I listened to it, like boom, 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 memories came Mm. up that it's not like I had forgotten them, but I don't think about them anymore. And they don't hurt. They don't sting like they used to. And they definitely don't have the pull, thanks be to God, that yeah. they once did. But they were still there. Very vividly, I could see what I saw all over again. And so I went immediately and I sat before the tabernacle and I began that process, you know, of bringing those harmful memories to the Lord. And I stopped saying that I had been healed, but that I am healing. So once I was delivered from that lust, from those sins, that was one part of the restoration that God Mm. had in store for me. But now there's a deeper work, even beyond those harmful memories. There's this deeper work of the Lord right ordering my love and teaching me what true chastity is not in the surface level way that I understood it as purity or, or purity culture, which I don't have a problem with, by the way. <laughs> but I, I don't think I ever understood chastity as right-ordered love. Mm. And so that's been like the next deeper step in my healing and restoration from right-ordered sexuality. Now I'm learning right-ordered love. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, the most beautiful realization I've had over the past year or so of spiritual direction is just this restoration of my innocence. Mm. I really feel like stumbling upon pornography at such a young age took my innocence from me. Yes. 
And I know the Lord wants to restore that little girl who found that Mm -hmm. and who was sucked in for years and years and years because of it. It's just been a beautiful invitation of healing Mm -hmm. from him that he wants to restore the innocence in me, which is exciting and beautiful. I remember when the Lord began to speak to me about my innocence in that, because again, I just had this inflated sense of my own responsibility, Mm -hmm. even though I was a child, you know, I remember when he showed me like the beauty and the goodness of my curiosity about sex. Mm. That of course a child would be curious and like wonder at the body, like seeing that. Mm-hmm. We're, it's the way we're made is we're attracted to that expression of love in the marital embrace. You know, we, we were made for union. So to see that expressed that there was a good mm. there that had been twisted. Yeah. But for the Lord to just speak so gently about how my curiosity as a child, mm. that ultimately there was no shame in my attraction to mm. sex. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it was the same for me. God honoring and blessing and I don't know, just like I just have it's more of a feeling right now that he mm. just like got down and looked at me and was like, it's okay. Mm. It's okay that you were curious about that. Yeah. Of course you were confused, you know, just yeah. like coming into that moment and and loving me there in a place where shame had so deeply written the narrative. Yeah. He came and spoke this gentle, gracious truth that I was a child. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I love this invitation of St. Therese of Lisieux via Beth's notes of spiritual childhood mm-hmm. because it is something I think the Lord wants to keep restoring mm-hmm. is this child in me. So I just want to give, I don't know, an encouragement that if you are under the bondage of habitual sexual sin, that you will be free. Mm-hmm that our God's a deliverer. He wants you whole and healed and restored and he loves you dearly. Yeah. I want you to have that same experience of innocence restored of the father, you know, squatting down before you and saying, you're good. You're good. What happened to you was not good. What you did was not good, but that does not make you bad. You're good Mm. and you're loved. And I'm right here. Let's pray. Let's. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you that you're right here, that you've always been here. Thank you for your merciful love, Lord. I ask you, Jesus, deliverer, to set us free from everything that keeps us from you, every chain or rope or even that delicate thread, Lord. Set us free, Jesus. And I ask you to increase our hope that you will deliver us, that you will heal us, that restoration is for us, and that it's unfolding even now. Mm. As for deep and new graces Mm -hmm. for each and every woman listening, 
that you would go back into her story, into her memory, that you would purify and heal all of those images and memories that cause her harm. Give her the strength and the courage, Lord, to entrust them to you, to show them to you, maybe for the first time. Thank you for waiting for us in adoration, for loving us completely. Lord, would you pour your merciful love into our hearts once again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for the chat, Jenna. You know I always like talking about this. Yeah, me too. There's hope for you, my friend. We're with you. Bye-bye. God bless you. Bye.